You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Tuesday, December 1st. I'm Charlotte Peterson, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank Hanson Brothers Enterprises since 1953, providing aggregates, construction services, equipment rentals, ready-mix concrete, masonry, and landscape products for public works, commercial and residential products. Located in Grass Valley and Colfax, go hbe.com. And Mailboxes Plus, offering curbside mailing and packaging services for the holidays. Shipping with all major carriers for timely gift arrivals. Located in the B&C Shopping Center, Grass Valley, mailboxesplusgv.net. Today, following NPR headlines and regional weather, Paul Emery talks with Taylor Wolf, analyst for Nevada County, about the latest local COVID updates. Economist Gary Zimmerman speaks with KVMR about the nomination of Janet Yellen to be the U.S. Treasury Secretary. Closing out today's newscast, we have Mark Cunaberti with a commentary. At 6.30, we bring you Educationally Speaking, and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, NPR headlines and regional weather. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. President-elect Joe Biden is introducing key members of his economic team as he prepares to take office next month. NPR's Windsor Johnston reports the incoming administration will be tasked with building back the nation's economy as the coronavirus pandemic worsens. President-elect Biden says he's building a first-rate team of advisors who will focus on reviving the nation's economy as millions of Americans remain out of work. What I'll put forward in the next Congress to address the multiple crises we're facing, especially our economic and COVID crises. And the team I'm announcing today will play a critical role in shaping our plan for action starting on day one. Biden repeated his call for Congress to pass a robust rescue package to help struggling businesses and state and local governments, saying many communities are teetering on the edge. His administration will also have to confront the daunting need to pay for it all. Windsor Johnston, NPR News. A scientific panel is taking on one of the more difficult questions about dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, namely who should get the first doses of COVID-19 vaccine when they become available. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices convened a virtual meeting voting to recommend a proposal that would give first priority to health care workers and patients in nursing homes and long-term care facilities. Those two groups combined represent around 23 million Americans out of the total population of roughly 330 million. Nurses in New York State's capital are on strike today. As NPR's Sally Hershops reports, nurses at Albany Medical Center say their working conditions are unsafe. Patty Pino is a registered nurse. Normally, she's inside Albany Medical Center. But instead, she's standing outside on a picket line. She says the hospital is restricting access to personal protective equipment like N95 masks. They're reusing them. Some of them are absolutely disgusting. You can see makeup on them after they've come back from being sanitized or reused. The New York State Nurses Association says the hospital is failing to test all patients for the coronavirus before admitting them and so has exposed dozens of staff. Albany Medical Center says any reuse of masks is in line with government guidelines 
and that two-thirds of employees who tested positive contracted the virus in the community. Sally Herships, NPR News. Attorney General William Barr said today the Justice Department has not uncovered any widespread evidence of election fraud. Barr making the remarks which directly contradict claims made by President Trump about widespread fraud in the race. In an interview with the Associated Press, Barr said U.S. attorneys and the FBI have been working to follow up on specific complaints they've received, but he says they've uncovered no evidence of anything that would change the election results. More record highs on Wall Street today. The Dow is up 185 points. The Nasdaq rose 156 points. The S&P 500 closed up 40 points today. You're listening to NPR News. The most listened to streaming service in the world has released its wrap-up of listener habits this year. Spotify's statistics include a 1,400% increase in work-from-home theme playlists, as well as a 180% increase in health and wellness podcast listening. Here's NPR's Andrew Limbaugh. Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny was Spotify's most streamed artist this year. Bad Bunny was followed by Drake, J Balvin, and the late Juice World. Billie Eilish is Spotify's most streamed female artist for a second time in a row, ahead of Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and Dua Lipa. Spotify's most listened to song is The Weeknd's Blinding Lights. On the podcast side of things, the Joe Rogan Experience is Spotify's most listened to podcast globally. Earlier this summer, the company signed a multi-year exclusive licensing deal for the show. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. In yet another long-shot effort to overturn the results of last month's election, the Trump campaign announced today it's filed a lawsuit in Wisconsin seeking to disqualify more than 221,000 ballots. Following occurring in a state, Trump lost to Democrat Joe Biden by more than 20,000 votes. Trump's campaign filed the suit today with the Wisconsin Supreme Court a day after the state's Democratic Governor Tony Evers certified Biden as the winner of the state's 10 electoral college votes. With OPEC-led talks on whether to keep production cuts in place to prop up oil prices stalling, oil took its biggest drop in two weeks, down 79 cents a barrel to 44.55 a barrel in New York. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. Now for regional weather. According to the National Weather Service, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight will be mostly clear with a low around 38. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 61 and a low around 40 with partly cloudy skies. In Sacramento tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 36. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 64 and partly cloudy skies overnight with a low around 39. Tonight in Truckee, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 17. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 47 and a low around 18 with mostly clear skies. And in Angels Camp tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 42. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 63 and partly cloudy skies overnight with a low around 43. I'm speaking with Taylor Wolf, um, administrative analyst with Nevada County. And, uh, well, we haven't had a talk for a week or so, but there's always new information. So I thought I would touch in with you uh, uh, concerning the COVID uh, situation. Uh, first of all, what are the current trends and numbers and how do they look? 
Yeah, so we had a holiday last week, our Thanksgiving holiday. Um, So our last update yesterday afternoon represented not only the weekend, but some of those holiday days, Thursday and Friday. Um, But still, over this weekend, we saw an average of, you know, somewhere between 30 to 40 new cases per day um, since Thursday. And what really jumps out to me is since our last updates, we were just over 300 active COVID-19 cases throughout Nevada County at 307. Uh, But with the most recent update yesterday afternoon, Monday afternoon, we are just sitting just below 400 active cases in Nevada County. So uh, 395 active cases currently. So that is quite a significant job. We're still seeing that increased community transmission. Uh, we're still seeing the same trend. So social gatherings and from those social gatherings, people bringing it back into their workplace and exposing others in that way. Uh, you know, we also expect to see another large increase in this in the next one to two weeks due to the Thanksgiving holiday. We're seeing an increase in our active hospitalizations. Our update from yesterday reads that we have 20 active hospitalizations in Nevada County. Um, that is between the two major hospitals we have here in Nevada County, both Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital and Tahoe Forest Hospital up in Truckee. Um, But the governor had a really interesting press conference yesterday where he talked a lot about our health systems, our hospital systems, and ICU capacity for the greater Sacramento area. Um, Their projections are currently saying that in late December, we'll be meeting that ICU capacity. Um, and that roughly 12% of daily cases may be hospitalized after two weeks of reporting. So, you know, we're also trying to share with our community, too, that the state is socializing the idea of another stay-at-home order at this point due to this trend of meeting ICO capacity in California counties. Um, Amongst all of this, there is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel with more news on vaccines coming out, but uh, truly, right now, as we're seeing this very high community transmission, the highest we've seen yet since the pandemic started, uh, we do have to be diligent about slowing the spread, um, especially as we're seeing these increased hospitalizations. It's all about impacting, slowing the impacts to those that are most vulnerable um, and really taking care of one another. And how we do that is wearing a mask, refraining from those social gatherings, washing our hands. Um, and keeping those good hygiene habits. So uh, that information there is not new, but maybe people got a little lax, uh, you know, on it, and maybe that, uh, I mean, numbers have jumped everywhere, not just here. So, you know, I guess we right. can't say we're any different than anybody uh, anybody else. Um, let's talk just a, a little bit about testing. Uh, it, what should someone do if they if they do test positive? This is a great question right now. Um, you know, we do have a contract tracing system in process with our public health nurses, um, but we are inundated with, with how high the community transmission is happening right now. Um, so we really want to educate people and people to know what they should do if they do get a positive test or they were a close contact to someone who had a positive COVID-19 test. So the first thing that you should do is isolate immediately if you test positive for COVID-19, it's called isolation. And if you are a close contact to someone who tested positive, it's called quarantine, which I think is the phrase most of us are familiar with. Uh, we ask that you continue to isolate if you test positive while you are infectious. 
Um, you want to share the quarantine guidance with your close contacts and with everyone in your household. Uh, you should quor- they should quarantine for 14 days, that two-week period we're used to hearing about. Um, and a close contact, I think it's also uh, good to, to know and recognize the definition of a close contact. Um, it is the, within 15 minutes of a 24-hour period. So let's say maybe, let's take the example of a workplace exposure. If a coworker of yours, if you were within six feet of them for 15 minutes throughout a 24-hour period, so that could be uh, three five-minute exposures, for example, that would qualify you as a close contact, and you'll want to quarantine yourself for 14 days uh, from that exposure. Well, what COVID testing is currently available? So we were seeing uh, testing be a little bit more impacted recently. Um, It has started to open up a little bit. Early this morning, I logged in to lhi.care slash COVID testing to see what appointments were open at the local Grass Valley Vets Hall site. There was appointments available this morning at 1 p.m. today. So it seems like that testing availability is opening up and is more readily available Um, Again, people can go and sign up for a COVID-19 test, especially if they're um, seeing COVID-like symptoms or have a known close contact. Go ahead and visit LHI period care slash COVID testing or call 1-888-634-1123. We continue to work with the state to increase the amount of testing we can provide throughout the week, and we'll have more details on that soon. Um, but we'd like to remind people, too, if, if you are trying to get tested because you are exhibiting symptoms or you do have a known close contact, please remember to stay home and limit your interactions in public places uh, until you are able to get tested and receive your results. I understand there may be uh, some new guidelines about uh, businesses, particularly restaurants, concerning uh, their kind of outdoor structures, their tents. That's a good way to put it. Um, I know the information is still coming in, but can you share some information that you know about that at this time? Absolutely. So I would say this is um, a little bit of good news coming out from the state, the change in this guidance. Of course, we we want to stay safe and limit the spread of COVID-19, but previously, uh, before this last update on outdoor structure guidance, uh, the the state was saying only one-sided tents are allowed to allow for airflow. Um, really kudos to many, many of our restaurants in our downtown areas who have done a great job getting heaters out in their outdoor areas and tents up that comply um, with these rules. But in the new guidance from the state, it does say that two sides or 50% of the structure Uh, can be covered with tent walls, let's say, Um, but they do have to be non-adjacent with the ultimate goal being that airflow can still come through and help limit that spread of COVID-19. Well, I'm I'm sure impressed with uh, a lot of the businesses and restaurants, how cleverly they've adapted to everything. 
And, yeah, so that's a good thing. Well, my goodness, uh, oh, one more question. What are some other ways small businesses could seek support if they need information, or what kind of support might be available to them? Yeah, so there's some, some exciting and good news here as well. You know, I think over the last um, eight months throughout this pandemic, um, our Nevada County Relief Fund has been able to uh, give over, you know, I think we're nearing 800,000 in grants to over 100 businesses and nonprofits. We're also able to get over uh, 2.5 million out in grants to seven different anchor institutions. And we just wrapped up the environmental health permit fee waiver program. We do still have other support systems going on and new ones being announced at the state level. So our PPE distribution is still going on. If any business owners or managers are tuning in and maybe need some extra masks or hand sanitizer, please visit our website, mynevadacounty.com slash PPE. Um, you know, throughout the PPE distribution so far this year, we've already distributed 2,600 gallons of hand sanitizer and over 300,000 masks. So just, again, huge kudos and thank you to our business community for um, putting the health and safety of both their employees and the community first, and we want to encourage our businesses to do so by providing some of these resources. In yesterday's press conference from the state, uh, the governor also announced uh, different relief funds for businesses, too. So uh, some of the information coming down is uh, sales tax deferrals for businesses, um, and then also some emergency business relief packages. So that includes grants up to 25000 for small businesses and nonprofits and cultural institutions. Um, and they're really focusing for many of these efforts on industries that have been the most impacted. So that includes restaurants, bars, hair salons, um, and those types of industries. They also have information on the state website, it's the same website that many businesses may be familiar with uh, going to look up the state guidance under the tier system. Uh, they can find these business relief resources as well at covid19.ca.gov. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR, and, and thank you so much for for you and the other folks there at the county for keeping us so well informed. And I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Paul. Thank you. I'm speaking with Gary Zimmerman. And, well, Gary, we talked last week, part of our normal uh, conversation, but some big news has come up in the meantime. And so, Gary, when you were an economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, Janet Yellen was chair of the board. Now, she's been nominated by President-elect Biden to be the U.S. Treasury Secretary. Uh, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Is she qualified in your general impression? Okay, well, Paul, in a word, uh, capitals, exclamation marks behind it, yes, and uh, absolutely. I had the opportunity to get to know Janet as she asked to be called by the staff when she became the San Francisco Fed president in 2004. Um, and, of course, in 2010, she left the San Francisco Fed to go to be um, the vice chair of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors uh, with Chairman Ben Bernanke. Um, and then when Bernanke retired from the Fed, President Obama nominated uh, her 
and she was confirmed by the chair of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors and, and held that position from 2014 to 2018. And she was, you know, distinguished Fed chair during the recovery from, from the Great Recession. So I would say definitely so, um, although, you know, Treasury Secretary is going to be a challenging position. What was she like to work with at the San Francisco Fed? Well, I have, I have a couple of stories. Um, you know, um, she was amazingly impressive. Um, you know, she was part of the Fed leadership during the worst of the 2008 financial crisis and the beginning of the recovery. She was always very thoughtful, very analytical, uh, very well-informed, very well-prepared, always professional. Um, you know, as, as described in an article I saw yesterday, she was <laughs> described as always the best prepared in the room, the smartest. Um, and she is a terrific economist. Um, she knows the financial system, labor markets, the economy, and all of those will be important uh, for a, a Treasury Secretary. And she's you know, held a, a long range of important <laughs> economic jobs and positions that, you know, are consistent with that. Um, she also knows how important the Fed and the federal government lending were to saving the financial system and the economy in 2000, 2009, um, when they you know, essentially saved the financial system and the, and the economy. So, you know, and she'll, I think, work well with Fed Chair Powell, um, who's, you know, still, still there. So, you know, this will be a challenge with the pandemic, the recession, troubled labor markets. You know, millions, 20 million people unemployed, lots of folks in, in bread lines and um, homeless shelters, and, you know, lots of lots of issues ahead. Um, she's somebody who will, I think, be able to do a good job. Well, she obviously has your endorsement, Gary. I guess we can go on record as in that. Uh, hey, do you have any stories about her you'd like to, to share with us? Okay, yeah, you're trying to get me in trouble, huh? Back at the Fed, Paul. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do have two or three that uh, kind of reflect on Janet. I mean, the first was when uh, my team met with her to ask her to participate in a student monetary policy simulation, and we asked her about the monetary policy meetings in Washington, D.C., and um, she then stopped us and asked what we wanted or needed. And then the next week, she wrote up, um, over the next week, she wrote up this very insightful multiple-page document for us to use, and we used it for years, um, about the meetings, what happened, why things were important, and, you know, so uh, we're all very impressed. Um, and, you know, of course, that's why she has the reputation of, of always being well-prepared. Um, another was when, when she first started at the Fed, and she was asked to give the opening remarks at a conference of federal and state banking regulators from, no, I don't know, a dozen states, mostly from throughout the West. Um, it's a high, high-powered banking regulator group. And I was told that she'd leave the re- leave after giving the opening remarks, but as a new Fed president, she wanted to stay and see what the meetings were about and you know, participate in it and, and so forth. So my job was to give the economic forecast to this you know, high-powered group. And uh, The first question, of course, after I'd finished my, my uh, presentation went not to me, but one of the senior officials turned to Janet and said, you know, we've heard his opinion on the economy, but President Yellen, we want to know what yours is. <laughs> and you can you can imagine, even though I've given a thousand economic forecast, this was enough to stop me in my tracks. Well, was, what is she going to say? <laughs> kind of a scary moment for you. Uh, but what did she say? <laughs> yes, yes. What did she say? 
she didn't say much. She smiled and said, I agree with Gary's outlook, thank you. <laughs> and then I started breathing again. So, you know, it's, um, you know, she is that kind of a person. Um, she's, you know, bright, hardworking, um, has a distinguished career in economics. She's currently the president of the American Economics Association. She's been the chief economist for the Council of Economic Advisors with uh, President Clinton, Fed chair, um, and now with Treasury Secretary. She'll be the only person to have held those three important um, economic positions. Um, so, you know, and she has, you know, basically a very distinguished career as a, as a professor, as an economist, um, you know, um, an interesting family, her her husband, who, who she met at the Federal Reserve Board when they were young economists, um, George Akerlof, has a Nobel Prize in economics, and they have a son who is, guess what, an economics professor. So they one one <laughs> it's one one uh, heavily economic family. Kind of sounds like a royal family of economics. <laughs> Yeah, it could be. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no indication she'll have any problem with the nomination at this point. So, um, but we'll keep an eye on that. Right, she has passed through the nomination process to be a, a governor of the Fed and to be the vice chair of the Fed, and, and then to be chair of the Federal Reserve Board. So, yeah, this and all, you know, so that's you know that's a process she's been through before. So, that helps. Gary, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR and look forward to our next chat. Okay, thank you, Paul. Take care. Bye. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the Federal Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. Closing out today's newscast, we have Mark Cunaberti with a commentary. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The resiliency of Americans continues to astound me. With the wicked arrival of COVID-19, the stock market plunged from a February all-time high to a 38% correction in a mere three weeks. From there, it seemed as if the COVID event turned from imminent threat into a golden opportunity for the nimble investor. While Main Street reeled in a seemingly unending economic death spiral, Wall Street looked upon the threat through rose-colored glasses. Investors in the right place saw their carefully selected stocks rocket upwards. Although the initial rally encompassed only a few sectors, as the months ticked by, more and more sectors caught the rally bug. Fast forward to today. And it's hard to find a stock that hasn't blasted upwards in a stunning fashion. Indeed, the optimism, at least for some investors, is palatable. Main Street occupants weren't so giddy, however, with ongoing shutdowns and various occupancy restrictions. In only one round of stimulus, many small business owners reeled under bleeding balance sheets brought on by buttless seats and empty store aisles. And although the shutdowns have gone on much longer than anyone anticipated, consumers, at least some of them, exhibit an attitude that can be described in no other terms than die hard. 
initially held at home from the lockdowns, about halfway through the calamity, necessity became the mother of invention. Some restaurants initiated drive-through services where once they had none. Municipalities, not wanting to see their business base decimated, eased restrictions and allowed on-street dining and even alcohol to go, which had previously been a strict no-no. Stores adapted social distancing, and the sticker people ramped up production on the necessary labels and dots to fill the need. Plastic manufacturers worked overtime to provide the millions of shields and screens, while hand sanitizer, initially in short supply, was bottled up in the truckloads by the familiar disinfectant companies, joined by inventive liquor producers who cranked out what could only be called a grade F type of vodka to fill the need while resurrecting some sort of income stream for their factories. Car dealers started home delivery, repair shops initiated no-touch drive-through auto services, and meal deliveries kept rideshare companies at least somewhat busy. Television execs initiated strict testing guidelines so at least some filming could be restarted, and evening hit shows filled their audiences with Zoom monitors, while even some sports arenas sat cardboard people in the end zones and filled at least some seats with faux human likenesses. Heck, even the Macy Thanksgiving parade took place. It was void of the crowds and human balloon anchors, of course, but they replaced those by enhancing the TV coverage and using robotic float pullers. A massive undertaking by the pharmaceutical giants of the world all turned their resources in concert toward one goal, find a vaccine that works and find it as quick as possible. Indeed, similar to the ramp-up of production at the beginning of World War II, in a mere eight months, the gears of much of our economy had been slammed in reverse by COVID-19, only to move forward in stunning fashion as America was forced to shift gears, and shift gears it did. Through calamity after calamity, from devastating wildfires to a wave of deadly hurricanes and the most contentious election in recent memory, America has risen up and met the challenge. Yes, there will be casualties. There always is in the midst of cataclysmic catastrophes, but we will survive. And like the proverb, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. America has learned much and will emerge on the other end of COVID-19 victorious. And we will be that much better for it. That does it for today's Money Matters. Today's newscast is not meant as investment advice. Neither Money Management Radio Money Matters receives controls, accesses, or monitors client funds, accounts, or portfolios. Indices mentioned may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, and you can lose money. Consult a qualified financial advisor before making any investment decisions. I hold California Insurance License OL34249 and am a Medicare agent. Insurance services offered independently and not affiliated with any entity or financial advisory firm. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Gutenberg. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's Evening News airs Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Coming up next, we bring you Educationally Speaking and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. For Emory Audio Productions, I'm Charlotte Peterson, wishing you a fabulous evening.